Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register with Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register right next to where I don't know if I guess he's on my left or right, whatever, whatever it is to you guys. That's where he is. Physically, he's right next door to me. I'm in the Kinnick press box. He's in the Kinnick press box. We have witnessed Iowa's latest. Uh, I don't want to say miracle win because we see it all the time, but just sort of like out of nowhere. Uh 15 to 13 win against Illinois, clinching the Big Ten West outright. Tyler, um, yeah. this is your first season, obviously covering the team with me, but uh, what is your reaction to, to kind of watching how Iowa does this and the fact that they're going uh, back to Indiana, your uh, your home ground? Yeah, it's, it's hard not to marvel at just everything that Iowa has been through this season. If you look at all the hurdles they've dealt with, the sports wagering in, in investigation, I know that was partly their own fault, but I think that the adversity that came with the Noah Shannon situation and uh, what, what was a harsh penalty, you know, that probably wasn't, that wasn't warranted uh, between that injuries to Cade McNamara, Eric, all Luke Lachey, some of the guys that really were so integral in, in having optimism around the offense, having them go down with injury. Then you look at, the uh, the Minnesota game with the invalid fair catch signal and the controversy that followed that. Then the news that Brian Ferentz uh, won't be returning as offensive coordinator following this season. Iowa somehow still found ways to win. That that's been the theme for this season. They've taken punches. They've kept fighting. And then just when it feels like okay, well you know Iowa might not be able to handle anything else. Cooper DeGene goes down. And, you know, leading up to the Illinois game, done for the season, and in a spot where I was very similar to last season where they need to win one game uh, to make it to the Big Ten Championship. Last season they needed to, they needed to win the last game, but this one they had uh, two games to win one. Uh, it felt like it might be the straw that breaks the cam was back. And then they just come down in, in kind of a game that was emblematic of the season where – you know, we're trailing Caleb Johnson comes up with a really timely run, a guy that hadn't played, you know, he didn't even get a carry in the Northwestern game bitten by injury, man. It's just, just a chaotic season, so many moving parts, but it's hard not to just look back at it and think, you know, just be impressed by the way that I was handled everything. Yeah. Good big picture, uh, laying it out there, the adversity, uh, that Iowa did overcome this year. Yeah. Emblematic that Noah Shannon was the honorary captain on senior day. So many seniors made big plays today. We will, uh, I assume we'll get to those as we go along here. Uh, let's focus for a second on kind of the offense coming through at the end. I kind of wrote about that and then maybe how that, uh, goes into the Brian Ferentz conversation. Uh, Hawkeyes get the ball, I think I'm going to write my follow column on this in part, but they remember this, Tyler, after you mentioned the Cooper DeGene, so I'm teasing you guys what I'm going to write about next. Good. Very uh, pro move here. Uh, the Hawkeyes after the Cooper DeGene invalid fair catch against Minnesota. Okay. It's 12 to 10. You're down three. You get the ball at what yard line? What yard line? Do you remember? Their own 46. They got yeah. the ball at their own 46 with a chance to, just needed like 20 yards maybe for a field goal try for Drew Stevens. That's all they needed, and they couldn't come up with it against Minnesota. Deacon Hill throws a pick three plays later. Today, 
They get the ball down 13 to nine at their own 46. Same situation, a little more time on the clock, but this time the offense executes and they move all the way down the field. They need a touchdown to win. They get that touchdown, uh, a really clutch uh, third down pass. It was third and five. Nico Regaini, as I wrote in my thoughts column, second biggest catch of his Iowa career, uh, pulls it in uh, to move the sticks. If he doesn't catch that, probably don't win the game. I mean, unless they convert the fourth down. They probably punt, actually, in that case. Maybe. They had one timeout left. Different story. Uh, Ferentz called two early timeouts, one to complain about a penalty. Uh, but anyway, and then you get a pass interference call uh, drawn by Caleb Brown, who wasn't even in the plan several weeks ago. And then the next play, Caleb Johnson, benched at Northwestern for a coach's decision, runs 30 yards uh, into that north end zone that I'm looking at right now to get the go-ahead score. And, of course, to make it more difficult, the PATs block and they have to hold off uh, everything. But just kind of emblematic of sort of the offense. Uh, offense kind of, you know, they struggled for a little while here, but they had a good first half. And then when they needed to step up, they actually did this time to give them the win. And what I, you know, the defense got to stand on the sideline and watch after the, you know, the last four and a half minutes, they or whatever it was. They walked off the field in 340, I think. They got a first down and then took knees. So, yeah. Well, I want to, you know, touch on Deacon Hill because the the difference that he – the difference between the version of him that came in in that Michigan State game, the Purdue game, et cetera, those, you know, those early games between what he's done the last two weeks is just it's, – it's astronomical. We've kind of seen him grow up right before our own eyes. And, again, I don't – Iowa's offense wasn't good today. Um, but they got it done when it was needed. And actually Deacon Hill started the game off really well. Um, you know, he, he looks like he is so much more comfortable in the pocket, getting in a rhythm. You can just see his, him not panicking as much more sound decision-making. And like, this is a guy that, and again, we've talked about this, hadn't attempted to pass in college before this season. He was at Wisconsin he entered the transfer portal. He wasn't even going to play FBS football. He was committed to Fordham, then changed course, ended up at Iowa. You're thinking Cade McNamara is the big splash that Iowa makes in the transfer portal. No, it ends up being Deacon Hill that's in the spotlight, uh, you know, for the, the better part of the season. And, um, again, it, it wasn't perfect. He didn't turn the ball over today, which was, a, you know, a big factor, uh, you know, in the performance. But he just looks – um, he looks much more closer to the type of quarterback that Iowa needs him to be over these last two games. And it's been, uh, you know, he, he seems like a great character guy is, is really um, engaging and to see him kind of grow over these, these last few games that he's been in a really difficult situation is, has been, um, you know, kind of fun to watch. And then, of course, that spills into a lot of Brian Ferentz uh, talk, conversation, emotions, visuals. He gets the uh, – not the Gatorade dump because it was water, but let's call it the Gatorade bath uh, from offensive lineman Mason Richmond who carries it over. Uh, really cool moment, uh, you know, for uh, the offensive coordinator, for the team. So many guys hugging Brian after their, I think Cohen Entringer, you know, a safety is the first guy to embrace Brian. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just, uh, you feel good for these guys. You feel good. You know, uh, I tweeted out before 
the game. Um, some quotes from Brian Ferentz about what Kinnick Stadium means to him from my podcast with him from July t- 2021. And, uh, you know, it, this is a special place to him. And he came into the stadium with emotions. He left the stadium with emotions. Uh, he gets to walk away, you know, out of here, his last game uh, at Kinnick as a Big Ten West champion. And uh, I know there's some three-word headlines about bring Brian back or whatever, or, you know, all this stuff about, you know, Beth Getz making the wrong decision. But I don't I don't agree with that at all. I think that this is almost the, I want to say perfect, but a really nice way for this to end. He gets to walk off a winner. You know, the offense scored 13 points today, uh, gained less than 300 yards. It's not like this is a masterpiece offense. But he did do he did what he needed to do to win the game, which has sort of been um, what Kirk Ferentz has always asked him to do. So I'm happy on a personal and professional level for Brian, happy for the players, but also in agreement that there did need to be a cut of the cord here at some point. So I'm not going down the road for those that wrote the, the three-word headlines. And I think most people, there were some also three-word headlines of like, you know, still time to move on, you know, it's done with nepotism. Like, in other words, this is like kind of the cutoff, but it didn't end like in a sour meltdown type of way is what I'm saying, Tyler. They won three games, went three and oh, since he was uh, let go uh, by the university. It felt like in the, you know, post-game press conference with Kirk, he kind of let his guard down a little bit more regarding the situation with Brian, where like, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it says, is there a pool for me to see? Yeah, I, I wasn't like meaning to do that or anything, but it, I think it just kind of uh, came with the territory of the uh, the day. But um, for, for those that didn't see it, yeah, who uh, didn't see that comment, re, uh, read the comment. Okay, yeah, for yeah for the um, audio. Card. So basically there's a comment saying, is there a pool for the media to see who's the first to make Kirk cry during the post-game? News conference, Tyler won this week. Yeah. I basically just asked him, like, personally, how has he dealt with all the emotions, um, you know, throughout the season where there's been a lot of ups and downs. So um, I, I wasn't trying to, you know, pull any strings or anything. But um, anyways, I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. Brian, okay, so Kirk, it seemed like he he let his guard down a little bit more talking about Brian. He, ba- you know, he said, like, I'm proud of him as a father um, because when we talked to him – directly after the news was made public he was he was very much uh deflecting questions not really giving a lot of the insight to what has been like for him as a father watching a you know his son uh not be, you know learn that he's not coming back uh following this season and again i don't blame kirk for uh approaching it that way it's a very sensitive topic it's it's uncomfortable in the sense that it's your personal life and professional life intertwined on a big stage. It's a big time football program. So I don't blame Kirk one bit for approaching it that way. But after the game today, he did just, he he let his guard down a little bit more and saying that like, as a father, he is proud of Brian, the way that he has handled a really difficult situation because we haven't talked to Brian. Uh, we, we don't really know, we haven't been given insight to how he is all handling this, but I thought, you know, Kirk giving just that little thing about mentioning himself being a father to Brian and being proud of him as a father. I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to, right? Like we're, you know, sons, daughters, fathers, mothers, that's something that, um, 
you know, is, is a commonality between all of that. And, and I feel like that really hit the human humanistic side of things behind all of the moving parts that have been going on. Yeah. He, he often doesn't, he rarely references like Brian being his son or whatever. And he even made a comment after, like, I try to keep that separate or I do keep that separate. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I think there definitely were emotions there. You clearly all saw that on, on TV from where you saw. And if you were here, you saw the hugs after the game. Uh, but we haven't talked to Brian since August. And I, we did. he was the one assistant coach that they did not make available. We won't get an assistant coach this week either. So uh, it's possible we will never hear from Brian while he's in a Hawkeye quote-unquote uniform, although he's not in a hockey uniform because he's wearing a blank black sweatshirt uh, the last two weeks. And then, uh, you know, probably a little bit of a statement that he's making there. Um, obviously, I mean, it's it's no coincidence he's not wearing Hawkeye stuff. But at the same time, he, he professionally handled it and, um, you know, delivered – when I, when Iowa needed it. And I thought the offense did look good in the first half. Let's give uh, some wide receivers credit here today. Caleb Brown, 10 targets, 7 catches, 71 yards. Nico Reggini, 5 catches, 46 yards. You know, Addison Estrang and another 5 catches for 24. Uh, you know, those were grinded out type catches. And then Seth Anderson had a couple really clutch catches. Also had one called back, but uh, 2 for 26. So, Remember that conversation we had, Tyler, what was it, week three? I think they had two wide receiver catches, maybe, maybe even, or no, no catches, maybe. I can't even remember now, but uh, it was early in the year. They didn't, they did, did nothing. And uh, maybe it was two catches at Penn State. Anyway, uh, but today, look at that. Uh, seven, five, two, 14 of the 19 catches were wide receivers. And Caleb Brown was fantastic. Credit to the, the O-line, the wide receiver group, because those are two position groups that have been targets for criticism that have underperformed at points this season. Uh, but like Iowa as a whole, they've been resilient. And, and, and Caleb Brown is a dog. I mean, he he especially – since basically he had that first catch against Northwestern, uh, he has been really good. And, um, and, and, and Nico – being able to in this his last game at Kinnick too, uh, you know, a, a really good way for him to go out. But the offensive line too, just with the injuries they've had, uh, you know, the moving pieces, uh, they've. I thought they protected Deacon pretty well. Um, you know, the running game wasn't great, but but Caleb Johnson, you know, got through on that last one. And uh, so those are two position groups that could have been counted out and could have kind of just called it a season. Um, but they, they both, you know, today and, and especially the last couple games have come up really big. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the defense at some point. Do you want to, are we good with the offense now? What do you think? Anything more on the offense? Well, I'll just mention, uh, Caleb Johnson and, and I touched on this a little bit, but a guy that, you know, had a lot of success as a freshman was kind of perceived as a potential breakout guy this season. Hasn't gone that way. He was injured, missed some time. Then he came back, had a really good game against Purdue. And then he just totally like falls out, of, falls basically out of the rotation. Doesn't even uh, get a carry against Northwestern, but uh, him kind of sticking with the process and um, you know, being able to come up in a, in a big time spot, you know, uh, today. 
Sorry to keep dinging. I'm sending messages to my boss yeah. while you're talking, and that's dinging on your Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to stuff. throw me off here. I'm <laughs> trying to keep my focus. You did a good job. You did a good job there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, let's talk. Uh, first of all, uh, I did a little – I don't know if we'll mention punting anymore, but Torrey Taylor, eight punts, 51.6-yard average on his uh, – uh, in his Kinnick finale. So he does hit the over. I've set the over under at 49 and a half yards per punt uh, for Tory in pregame. And he goes over and it probably should have been more because uh, uh, who was it? Uh, John Nestor kind of like accidentally touched one of the footballs before it got to uh, like at the seven when it could have been at the one. And then uh, Cohen Entringer accidentally let the ball go in the end zone. It could have been down at the one. So Fantastic game for him. But defensively, you know, it was kind of weird. Like, uh, Illinois' game plan was was definitely throw the ball. Um, I was surprised they didn't run it more. But uh, John Paddock throws the ball 47 times. He ends up 22 of 47 for 215 yards. It seemed like he was more effective than that at times, but it also seemed like Iowa should have had, like, eight interceptions. They end up with 13 pass breakups. Uh, for the game. I don't know if that's a school record, but it's got to be close. I think if Iowa loses this game, we're probably talking about the Quinn Schulte penalty right now because that, I mean, it, it was a bad call. And uh, I think, you know, Iowa's defense, it, they were really, they were good, but I, I felt like, and this is stating the obvious that like they missed Cooper to Gene. And I don't think that was because necessarily like Jamari Harris or Deshaun Lee played poorly. I think they both played pretty well, but it just feels like Cooper, like he just fills a lot of holes, like just having his presence out there. Um, the fact that, you know, you're going to be locked down on one end, you know, one corner and uh, you know, there might not be a lot of balls thrown that way. And the fact that, uh, what what Cooper can do on the special team side of it in terms of as a gunner and as a punt returner. Um, but it, it did feel like there was maybe brief periods of kind of growing pains without him. But uh, overall, I thought that uh, Iowa's defense played well. There was also just some sort of like undisciplined stuff that you normally wouldn't expect, like, uh, you know, the offsides call that extended uh, Illinois' drive. In the Schulte penalty again, probably like that's not that was a football play, and it's hard to defend that that was a penalty. But at the end of the day, those were kind of a little bit of things that gave Illinois, a, you know, a bigger window to possible success than I think we've been accustomed to seeing the last few games from Iowa. And after that Schulte penalty, Tyler, uh, you know, it looked like Illinois might punch in a touchdown and go up seventeen to nine. Uh, they were – I want to pull up the play-by-play uh, the -play here, but uh, Iowa holds them to, to three points. That was huge. It was a 29-yard field goal, I believe. Uh, sorry, I'm fumbling through my papers here a little bit. But it was a long drive. Oh, yeah, it was the first play of the fourth quarter. So they had third and one at Iowa's 11-yard line, and then John Paddock goes for the QB sneak, gets stuffed. And that's Iowa. Castro. Credit to Castro because yeah. Paddock, like – he went into the initial line and then like kind of bounced out around the outside. And like, it was very possible for Iowa's defense just to think he disappeared into the pile, but heads up play by Sebastian Castro um, to, to sniff that out and, and make the play. Yeah. That ends up being a 12 play 69 yard drive, but only three points. So you basically start the fourth quarter down four uh, instead of down eight. I mean, down eight would have felt 
tough. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even kick the PAT, you know, let alone get the two. But um, so huge, you know, the defense definitely stepped up. And then even after the block PAT, you know, Illinois goes four and out. I mean, they get a seven-yard run on first down. And then, you know, I'm, I'll have to watch the tape again, but it was it was a pass, right? Wasn't it a pass to the flat? Here, let me call up the play. It was another run. I'm sorry. It was a run, then a there was a pass, then a run. So Reggie Love runs. Looks like he's maybe going to get a first down. They stop him. Uh, looks like they gave credit to Higgins and Jackson. Who else? You know, for stopping him short of the line to gain. And then uh, two passes batted down, both by Joe Evans, who gets the safety in the first first quarter as well. So Evans, I, I noticed uh, in the game notes, uh, now up to sixth in team history and sacks with 24. Uh, pretty awesome career for him, and he was probably the best of the players, didn't you think, in post game? I mean, Joe Evans was was on fire. He was like banging his water bottle on the podium, and <laughs> he was pumped up. Yeah, there, there's so many like individual success stories that have made something more collectively like rewarding for the group. Like Joe Evans, come, you know, he was a walk on, working his way. The the plays that he made today were just massive. Uh, we've mentioned Caleb Brown, who uh basically was a non-factor earlier in the season now he's coming around and really making big plays Caleb Johnson Jay Higgins who waited his turn behind Jack Campbell there's just so many of these like in in the offensive line too like Tyler Ellsbury coming in uh you know spelling Logan Jones like there's so many of just these individual success stories of guys showing resilience and I think when you put them all together as a collective group what happens is what you have seen this season and even more specifically what happened uh, on Saturday against Illinois, that all these guys coming together and creating something bigger than than themselves. I do want to talk about uh, next week and the Big Ten Championship game, which I was – uh, clinched a birth too. I think we mentioned that. I hope we did. hope we did early. I think we did. Uh, but let's do a few three-word headlines first, and maybe we'll launch into some of those conversations. Um, uh, I want to get, you know, I want to give Raina Harmon, assistant women's coach, a shout out. She didn't submit a headline, but she did uh, post one. So I, I liked it, and I wanted to start with that. Whatever it takes, uh, she hashtagged. Uh, Joey Sanders, against all odds. I like that one with the gambling element there um <laughs> this was a funny one uh jesse uh lucier or lucier drive to 350 so now brian ferentz 25 points per game threshold goes to 14 true. games Very, true. Very <laughs> so, so it's no longer the drive to 325 it's a drive to 350 if you have any others called up go ahead otherwise i can keep rolling here tyler now go you can go ahead uh eli reinhardt west champs forever that is correct there will not be another Big Ten West. So yeah. Iowa is the last Big Ten West champion. It's not shared. It's not disputed. Even if Iowa loses next week, uh, they get it completely outright. Um, and they had the chance to do that last year, Tyler, at home and didn't. So, what I mean, you kind of got to give Iowa a little bit of credit for showing that resiliency today, also without Cooper DeGene like last year against Nebraska. And part of the reason that I felt this – getting to the big 10 championship this season was even more important than usual is because it's going to be so difficult to get there moving forward with the divisions going away. You have Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA coming in starting next season. 
uh, the top two teams in the entire Big Ten uh, go to the Big Ten championship. So the odds of Iowa getting back to the Big Ten championship are going to decline exponentially after this season. So just, you know, as flawed as Iowa is, just like enjoying this ride because, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that they will ever get back to the Big Ten championship, or at least if they do, it's going to be a lot more difficult. So that's why I feel like this, you know, capitalizing on this opportunity was even more kind of seismic. Yeah, now you get a you know a chip in a chair, as they say. You get a shot, you get a shot at Indy to uh, to capture a Big Ten championship and uh, shock the world. And you know they're playing they're playing a little bit better um, on offense. Not not great, but they're a little bit better on offense, and uh, that's something. Um, got a, uh, Gabe Johnson, always one of our favorites, uh, supplied eight headlines today. Uh, I'm going to read them all because they're all they're all good. Brian deserved better. Thumbs up, Caleb's. So, yes, Caleb Johnson and Caleb Brown. Cry, Kirk, cry. Mild, mild West. Hug your sons. I like that. Uh, Those of us that have sons may get emotional just thinking about it. We want Buckeyes. (laughs) Don't want Michigan. (laughs) And extra horseradish, please. Of course, uh, referring to the St. Elmo's shrimp cocktails uh, in Indianapolis. A great collection there, Gabe. That was one of your best efforts, I will say. I don't, I, this, I don't, this might be a hot take. I don't like shrimp. So I, I don't know. Do you like shrimp? I do. And I did have the uh, cocktail, shrimp cocktail last year at big 10 media days. So yeah, I've had it. It's not like I, I like like seafood. I just, I don't know. This is like. This is a little spicy for me. A little spicy for me. It's pretty spicy. So I don't, I might be skipping the shrimp. There, but that's right. Yeah, you're Mr. Salmon. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That it might save my stomach though <laughs> if I don't go for that. Uh, J- Jason Price won by safety. I like that. The defense uh, with that safety pr- provides the winning margin there. Uh, Carla Rocos says happy for Brian. Brett Schneider, Phil Broyles Parker. Uh, that one got a lot of likes on the Twitter. And uh, last one I wanted to read. Uh, Nader uh, Dadala says, Hawkeyes, America's team. <laughs> of course, uh, referencing Jim Harbaugh saying Michigan is America's team. So if the, and uh, potentially the Hawkeyes will be facing Jim Harbaugh on his return from suspension. So the crazy Big Ten, man. Yeah. I, well, now it's interesting to see who Iowa will play in the Big mm-hmm. Ten championship. Who's going to, you know, who is going to have the privilege of playing Iowa in the Big Ten championship? It's going to be Michigan and Ohio State fighting it out. But and I, I wouldn't, regardless of who it is, I don't think, you know, I, there's a slim chance that Iowa wins. But like this season has just been such a just roller coaster that like I feel like anything can happen. You know, I, like yeah. I said, I wouldn't bet on Iowa to win, but at the same time, who knows? Okay, so a couple things here. Let's. Uh, on the opponent, right now I think I was better chance as Ohio State, um, just because. I mean, it'd be you'd love to have Cooper DeGene for that uh, to to guard Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that's not ideal, but uh, still, their offense has not been what it was under C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, etc. Uh, but on the flip side, Michigan provides all kinds of drama, and I do feel like. Uh, a couple things. Number one, 
too bad that Cade McNamara and Eric all aren't playing in that game. If that happens, <laughs> I mean, that would have been a pretty awesome storyline. They'll be there of course, uh, wearing Hawkeye stuff, but, uh, I do think if it is Michigan, you're going to have maybe not everybody, but I would say most of the country probably rooting for you <laughs> because the Michigan has definitely created some enemies. Uh, oh, with, for sure. With Even the, more so than like usual. Like I feel like they are, people already are kind of have disdain for them. And now there's like public enemy number one. So, <laughs> yeah. So like any Ohio state fans or whatever that bought tickets to the game are just going to go, they're going to definitely root for Iowa. But uh, so anyway, the drama will be there if it's Michigan and then you might have more public support uh, as opposed to like, uh, you know, Iowa, you know, mucking up the big 10 title game, but let's talk about next week's game because we'll have time to talk about that. We know Iowa's going now at Nebraska. Kirk Ferentz made a comment late in the press conference. He's like, maybe we won't even play our starters in that game. You know, just like the NFL, we already clinched, right? Uh, That's what the NFL does when, uh, when they can't improve their position, right? Um, I'm not saying they will do that. I don't think he's ever going to not play a game as hard as they can. But let's be honest, they could use – some of these starters could use a week off. Like, I'm serious. Like, I'm serious. Like, this game doesn't mean much other than – I don't even – I mean, ranking, wins, you know, bonuses, whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying you don't try to win, but maybe rest some guys. It, is all I'm saying? It's kind of like it's an awkward situation because you, you rarely come across this in college football where it's like you've – that outcome is kind of already decided. Like the game really doesn't have much bearing at all. Like at this point in the season, it's usually fighting for a conference title or getting to a bowl game or there's some weight to it. And maybe the fact that it's a rivalry game, I mean, that, that adds a little. But like if there's a guy that's maybe 50-50 of playing – and he would play if if Iowa needed a win to go to the Big Ten Championship, you know, maybe you don't play him. I think some of those kind of on-the-line, you know, decisions that could be on the line, uh, maybe you rest them um, to get them some some more time off to heal before the uh, Big Ten Championship game. But it just does feel kind of like, I don't know, this was like a really emotional, like, kind of crescendo to the season. And it's like, oh, there's still one more regular season game to go after this before – they get to the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, it's a weird spot indeed. Uh, I don't know what Nebraska's score is right now, but, um, you know, they might be playing for a bowl game if they lose to Wisconsin tonight. So, um, guys, I might consider resting. Again, you know, competitors, I'm not I'm not discounting any of that stuff. If you want to play and they want to play, fine. But Connor Colby goes out tonight with an injury. We do not know what that injury was. He was asked about it. He declined. He didn't even address it. I don't know, just, just how it happened in the press conference. He'll, now we get the mic, so you can't even do follow up So you have to like hope that he answers it, and he didn't. So we don't know his injury. Uh, Logan Jones obviously tried to go tonight, uh, made it two series, and then Tyler Ellsbury came in for the third straight week. Might be a good week to rest Logan Jones. Might be a good week to rest Connor Colby. Um, oh, Dargan says it's 17-17 in Madison going to overtime. How about that? Um, hey, Nebraska getting extra extra snaps on its legs for that. <laughs> Can we talk about O line Jennings Dunker just flattening the Illinois? Like, geez. How about, and Kirk takes the timeout. I wish we could have asked him about that. I did, yeah. That did not come up. I wanted to ask him what he was 
if he thought it was a legal block because five flags came out and said it was a blind. Yeah. I mean, like, he destroyed that dude though. I mean, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's what's next. And it's going to be a short week for all of us. Any more final thoughts, Tyler, before we go? Nah, just a lot of emotion, you know, a lot of passion. It's been a crazy season. So. Yeah, it really has. Just unbelievable. I mean, I'm, uh, can't think of a season ending close to like this, uh, just with all the drama every single week. I mean, even this week, it felt like, ah, you know, kind of positive feelings, blah, blah, blah. And then Cooper DeGene, you know, breaks his leg in practice on Wednesday. So, <laughs> uh, hopefully nothing crazy happens this week. Kirk Ferris did say he extending is extending the 24 hour rule. So, Maybe they'll still be hung over going into Lincoln next week. And he had a he had a cigar post game as well. So uh, <laughs> maybe, that's maybe right. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh uh who knows? Kirk took forever to get a post game. Read into that what you will, but he was savoring every moment of what the post game was, he said. So uh, I'm not saying this is his last year or anything like that. He's talking like he's coming back, but it was notable that he took forever to get to post-game media today. And radio was pissed, too, like because <laughs> yeah. he didn't do radio for a long time. Yeah, we were just chilling in there waiting. But... Yeah. Anyway, thanks for your patience, everyone. Thanks for your contributions, Tyler. Read our, read our coverage at hawkcentral.com. We'll have more up in the morning. Tyler's mailbag, my column, my stuff's up. Dargan's stuff's up. Tyler's story's up. Uh, just, you know, uh, we appreciate you guys reading. Appreciate you listening. And uh, we will talk to you on the short week next week on Hawk Central.